With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 42, coming to you live here tonight. As always, I am Zach Follador, steering this ship along with uh, my partner in crime, Sam Thillman. Sam, we had snow on the ground here in Pennsylvania today. How's it, how's it been in Indiana? Yeah, I can't lie. It's been that it's been like that for the past couple of days. For some reason, it decided to snow really heavily for 10 minutes, and now it's clear skies. So I don't know what's going on with the weather. It's freaking April 21st. I uh, actually went to Top Golf and played in um, the snow there. So that was pretty fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was like, blow- it was like, I mean, last week it was like 80 degrees here. Now it's it's snowing again. I'll never, I'll never understand this part of the country this time of year. But hey, whatever. That's that's never here nor there. We got a lot to get to here tonight. Um, let's let's jump right into the news here. First things first, Sam. And I thought this was pretty funny because last week you and I talked about this. We talked about the MAC lifting this intra-conference transfer rule and allowing student athletes to transfer between MAC schools without sitting out a year. Both of you and I, we both commented on the fact that we couldn't remember a case or a time when a student transferred from one Mac school to another for athletic purposes. And here we are one week later and we've got two pretty prominent cases to talk about. Oh yeah. We'll start. uh, Actually, they both um, revolve around Ball State. I'll start with um, KJ Walton, the sixth year heading to his seventh year uh, coming out of the Ball State program. He decided to take his talents to Akron while NIU's leading score from previous season, Tyler Cochran, decided to transfer from Northern Illinois to Ball State. So two big moves, both involving Ball State, happened basically on the same day or maybe one day later than each other. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is pretty interesting. Um, man, K.J. Walton, it's like he's never going to graduate from college. As anyone that uh, has followed him knows – Um, This is a guy that, you know, started his career, his college career at Missouri, played his first two years at Missouri, transferred to Ball State Um, in the 1920 season, got hurt, only played 10 games, but, you know, came back this year, had a really good year, 16 and a half points, um, you know, uh, 54% from the field. I mean, this is a guy that he he can score. He he can, he's a bucket hitter for sure. And uh, he just seems like he, he's ready to keep playing in college. Good, good for him. And then, you know, Tyler Cochran, uh, Sam, this is a guy that we didn't talk about a ton on the, on the show this year, only because obviously Northern Illinois had a bit of a tough season. Mark Montgomery was let go halfway through. But, I mean, this is a guy who was their leading scorer 
uh, this year, 15 and a half points a game. And something else, something that you pointed out beforehand, Sam, this is a guy that, you know, he's only six, listed at 6'2", and he averaged seven rebounds a game for the Huskies this year. So this is a guy who is a guard that is not afraid to go underneath and, and you know, among the trees and fight for some boards and, and get some putbacks and stuff like that. Obviously, Ball State, it's been a rough offseason for him to this point. K.J. Walton's leaving now, obviously. Jerron Coleman and Ish Elamine uh, transferred out previously. So this seems like a pretty good pickup for uh, for the Cardinals. Yeah, and you mentioned 6-2 and 8 rebounds. That's an, that's one key area Ball State struggled on. Not only that, it, it's I think it has to do with a lot with the coaching change that happened um, in DeKalb, essentially. Yeah. You have you you go from a situation where you're you're basically the guy to where you're basically the guy. You get the minutes, but with an established head coach, and no offense to um, the Northern Illinois program, he he has basically a better um, system or a better um, surrounding cast around him as of this year. Even with all the departures, Brock and Hazen, KJ Walton, Jerron Coleman. I would still take Myron Thomas and Luke Bumblow, no offense, Northern Illinois, over what they had last year. We saw the product that they put out of the field. That's why they fired their head coach last year. I think I think he put his name into the transfer portal, didn't get a lot of interest, saw, saw a um, kind of a um, slightly better program. Ball State's probably going to have to rebuild a little bit after losing so many guys. But at the same time, they can still be a little bit competitive. I'm not going to say top four seed. But like last season, maybe you can make a push for that eight seed. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think what you just mentioned is, is a good point there, Sam, in terms of like his game and the, the way that he fits into this team and how this team is going to look next year. And when you think about what it is that, you know, the, the, a lot of the guys re, re, returning for, for Ball State, like you mentioned, Bumbleo and Maron Thomas and um, Brock and Hazen and some of these other guys, these are guys that can stretch the floor and can shoot from the outside. If you look at Tyler Cochran, you know, he shot 45% from the field last year, but only 22% from three. So it seems to me he's more of a slasher, get to the bucket type of guy that can help stretch the floor and, and, and you know, kind of drive and kick out to Bumbleo and some of those other guys are going to be able to knock down open threes. So potentially a, a good fit here for Tyler Cochran. And like you mentioned, I, I, I think what you said is, is pretty accurate. You know, he sees an opportunity to get uh, good minutes at a, at a program that, is, you know, as you said, not nothing against Northern Illinois, but the Ball State program here over the last couple of years has been in a little bit better shape than the Huskies have been. And obviously the coaching change um, definitely plays into that as well. So a lot of movement here in the MAC, a lot of movement across college basketball in general this offseason. And uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of rosters at a lot of schools are going to look very different next year. And, you know, Ball State's just one of those teams. Yeah, and, and real quick before we move on, um, um, Rashawn Berno was announced as the head coach the last in March, so he's going to have one heck of a job, not only replacing his leading score, but kind of turning that program around from that just terrible year they had a season ago. But, yeah, uh, Zach, uh, kind of kind of interesting. If you, if you haven't followed K.J. Walden's career, he's an interesting case where he's a 6'2 guard, who doesn't shoot the three ball. He's maybe hit like one or two in his career. Yeah. He only shoots in the paint. It's an interesting study. If you don't know how he got the seven year, a redshirt year, a medical redshirt year. And now with the uh, free guarantee year, this is how he's playing in Akron for, I would, I would assume 
is his last season, but <laughs> who knows at this point they may get, give him like three more years of eligibility just because. Yeah, he might be going for a, a, a master's, a PhD, a doctor. I mean, you can check all those boxes off the list, keep, keep hooping that whole time. Uh, I think he would take that option if it was given it to him. Um, anyway, though, Sam, on the, on the women's side, um, some unfortunate news, although probably not all that, um, all that surprising to Ball State fans, Ashlyn Brown has decided she's going to go elsewhere for her final year of college basketball. Yeah, if you didn't follow her on Twitter or Instagram, you may have missed this. Ashlyn Brown decided to, after putting her name in the transfer portal, decided to take her talents to New Jersey and play for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, which, considering she put in four years, she did a 1,000 uh, rebounds, a 1,000 points. You can't fault her. She's had one heck of a program, one of the best kind of women's uh, basketball players Ball State's ever had. She was a beast on and off the court. Really, there's nothing more to say. I, I'm pr- like, I'm, I'm happy for her. She got a uh, Power Five offer. She can do her talent. She can um, showcase potentially in the NCAA tournament more likely so with Rutgers than Ball State. So um, it's sad to see her go, but at the same time, you can't be nothing but um, happy for her. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, Sam, she's done so much for this women's basketball program at Ball State over the last four years. Um, as you mentioned, you know, just one of two players in program history with a thousand points and a thousand rebounds, two time first team all Mac, uh, led the Cardinals in points and rebounds last year, 19 points and 13 rebounds a game, 53% from the field. I mean, this is a solid, solid player that Rutgers is picking up. And I think this is a great opportunity for Austin because um, a lot of people, you know, I, I feel like in, in the college sports media landscape, Rutgers tends to catch a lot of flack for not being competitive. Their basketball team's gotten a little bit better the last couple of years, but for the most part, their, you know, their football team, their basketball team haven't been very good. Their women's basketball program is a really, really strong program, though. I mean, this is a team that was in the, the final four back in 2007. They made the Elite Eight three times in four years from 20, in 20, or 2005, 2007, and 2008. I mean, this is a team who goes to, has been to the NCAA tournament uh, like 15 times since the year 2000. I mean, this is a really, really good women's basketball program for Rutgers and uh Oshlin Brown has the opportunity to go right in there and 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 be a player and and get some uh get some publicity on a more a little bit more of a national stage on a prominent stage in a nationally recognized program so while you hate to see her leave the conference this is certainly a good landing spot for her if she's looking for a little bit more exposure and maybe you know boosting her WNBA draft stock next season uh, yeah, no doubt. It's all about boosting her draft spot. And like I said, no, no hate on her. She she did her thing for Ball State. She put in her time. She willed this team to the, the MAC tournament more often than not. It, it is what it is. It's sad to see her go, but hopefully in um, New Jersey. Is it East Brunswick or uh, where is where's, where's, uh, Yeah, it's Piscataway. Piscataway, New Piscataway, Jersey. Piscataway, New Jersey, which is wild. But yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, just uh, shout out to her. She did what she needed to. She came in and um, uh, hope, hope for the best for her, uh, in uh, New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we got talking, uh, you mentioned, we mentioned the WNBA draft there real quick. And, and something else I wanted to mention here, Sam, that we didn't have on our rundown, but just wanted to give a shout out real quick. Michaela Kelly uh, from Central Michigan. The WNBA draft was last week on uh, last Thursday night. And uh, Michaela Kelly from Central Michigan 
was picked number 20, 21 overall in the second round uh, to the Connecticut Sun. So best of luck to Michaela. Uh, you know, I know they're going to be going into to training camp and, and starting their season here over the summer. So best of luck to her. Second round pick, an opportunity to go make the team up there in Connecticut. Uh, obviously, such a, such a storied career for the Chippewas there in Mount Pleasant. I know everyone that's a fan of the Mac is rooting for her uh, to get, get her, uh, her you know, pro professional career started on the right foot. Yeah, and what's interesting about the WNBA draft, I, I found out, is that they do three rounds instead of the NBA's um, NBA two rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, I it's it totally slipped my mind doing the rundown for this. But, yeah, shout out to Michaela Kelly. She did her thing similar to Ashlyn Brown. She got rewarded by being drafted. It's hard enough being a um, – being drafted let alone being drafted from a max school so shout out to her she did what she needed to um she is going to the um what team, the connecticut sun so hopefully yep. she can hoop there we can we can watch her play and she can dominate um in the WNBA. absolutely so best of luck to uh to michaela kelly only the second uh uh second woman to get drafted from central michigan uh in the WNBA draft the first one being Crystal Bradford back in 2015. So best of luck to Michaela as she begins her professional career here over the next couple of months uh, with the Connecticut Sun there in the WNBA. So um, with all that, let's uh, let's go ahead and move into our uh, our weekly uh, spring sports update here, uh, Sam. Let's let's start with the uh, on the baseball side of things, taking a look at the standings and some of the results from this past weekend. Um, you know, Toledo got the sweep over Akron, Ohio and Northern Illinois split four games, Ball State and Eastern Michigan split four, Central Michigan took three of four from Kent. You look at the standings right now, Sam, uh, I see Ball State and Central Michigan tied at the top. What, what's kind of what's kind of standing out for you right now on the baseball diamond? Oh, uh, yeah, just the amount of uh, how tight the top. What is that? Six from Ball State 12 and 4. I'll just give the rundown. Central Michigan 12 and 4. Miami 11 and 5. Western Michigan 10 and 6. Ohio, who we talk each week, just how impressive they're doing with the new head coach 11 and 9. And then Toledo 11 and 9. Just a lot of people gunning for that top, gunning for the top spot. And it's anybody's game at this point. I'm not sure how many games left. They probably only have a few games left considering they're 16, roughly 16 games in. But at this point, yeah. uh, Central Michigan still is in play. Miami, Western Michigan, and then even these Ohio Toledo teams may have an um, outside shot as, as it, at it as well. Yeah, you're right. And, and as you said, we, we are coming down kind of toward, towards the end of the season with each team – uh, looks like there's about three three weekends left, three series left um, for uh, for for each. Or I'm sorry, no, four. Hold on, I, I, let me scroll up. Like like five series left for each team. So we are we're coming down to, to down the home stretch, and then we have the uh, the NCAA regional starting at the beginning of June. So um, there's you know there's as you said, Sam. It, it reminds me of the the women's basketball season where you have very, very little separation. I mean, I continue to be impressed by Ohio continuing to battle there, you know, sitting at 11 and nine now, 17 and 13 overall. But I think, you know, it's at the beginning of the season, it seemed like Central Michigan and, and Ball State were, were going to be the top two teams here. Central Michigan was a little bit slow getting out of the gate. You know, they, they lost their first four games of the year and, you know, they struggled a little bit in the non-conference, but they really seem to have, uh, have found their footing here 
over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they took three out of four from Kent State this weekend. They took three out of four from Bowling Green last weekend. They swept Northern Illinois the weekend before that. Uh, you throw in there, you know, one one loss on the road to to Notre Dame, which you know that's that's a, you're going up against an ACC team. That's not easily, uh, you know, that's not an easy assignment. But you know, the Central Michigan, the the, the Chippewas here, they really seem to be, uh, they really seem to be, you know, kind of rounding into form here as as the season comes to a close. And uh, you know, Ball State's obviously still right there. I think those are going to be the two teams right there at the end, though. Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit surprising. We talked for many weeks about just the race between Miami, Ohio and Ball State. But like you said, Central Michigan's running in form. They're getting hot at the right time. Their record speaks for itself, 14-9 away, 6-2 and two at home. They're done when they needed to. Ball State keeps it done. Unfortunately, you don't want to split four games to Eastern Michigan considering where they're at in the stadiums. Yeah. But you still got that first spot left. You you still have three left to get the job done. So if, if I'm a betting person, it, I don't know what, what team I would necessarily pick between Ball State, Central Michigan, or even Miami. Miami has slipped up kind of late, yeah. but they're still in the thick of things. They could still get back to where they were. So it's it's anybody's race at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and I, I also agree with with your assessment of, you know, I, I just mentioned what, um, you know, what Central Michigan has done over the last couple of weeks, really rounding into form. And, you know, Ball State, they obviously they haven't played poorly at all. But, you know, that, you know, you split four games with Eastern Michigan. That's that's not ideal. Last weekend, you got the sweep over Akron, which, you know, they're having a tough year. So they just I, if I'm Ball State, I'm focused on. You know, you got this uh, season, this weekend series coming up with with Northern Illinois this weekend. I'm really trying to put that Eastern Michigan series behind you and 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 not think about it and really go take care of business against Northern Illinois this weekend. I mean, Northern Illinois, right down there, right next to Eastern Michigan in the standings. The Huskies are six and ten in the conference and seven and twenty three overall. So you'd like to think if you're a Cardinals fan that you know, you can, uh, you can, you know, at least take three out of four in that series. Obviously that's easier said than done, but uh, yeah, ball state and central Michigan, uh, Miami's still sitting there at third Western Michigan, 10 and six overall, or I'm sorry, 10 and six in the Mac, but only 11 and 15 overall and uh, Ohio at 11 and nine, 17 and 13 right now. I have been, we've continued to talk about how impressed we've been with, uh, with the Bobcats. We'll see how they're able to finish out the season here. And uh, anything else that stood out to you on the baseball diamond this week, Sam? Uh, not really. Um, unfortunately, these uh, top teams I looked at the schedule aren't playing each other for a couple more series. So we have to just keep waiting because I'm just ready for that. We'll talk about it later. That Ball State, Miami, Ohio and the softball diamond that that was that was pretty excellent. Uh, way above expectations. Really, really great um, softball. But yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for these top teams to play each other, and we'll see who basically comes out on top because at this point, every game matters. Yeah, it really does. And uh, like I said, about about a little over a month left uh, in, in the season right now for uh, as far as baseball goes. And uh, there are some, you know, like you said, not, none of the top teams – uh, going at each other directly this weekend, but there are some good uh, series this weekend. You know, Kent State visiting Miami, uh, Bowling Green taking on Western Michigan, Toledo and Eastern Michigan. So some some good series this weekend in the MAC for certain. Uh, but you're right, some of those really really big matchups 
um, are a, a couple of weeks away from us. You mentioned though, Sam, the kind of the, the highlight of the week, uh, the, the Tuesday doubleheader between Ball State and Miami in softball. Both of these teams entered this, uh, this doubleheader undefeated in the conference, tied for first place. They left. Neither is undefeated now. They're still tied for first place, essentially. Uh, what, I mean, what more could you ask for from the top two teams in the conference? Yeah, I, I think it would have been a little bit lackluster if either team got the sweep. Um, I, like, I didn't want them to lose, but at the same time, it was just great, just great softball all around from both of these teams. You have a 4-2 game between the first game and then a, um, uh, a um, game, like you said, on a um, double header ends in a um, was it eight seven victory for Miami Ball State was in it I, I think people had Miami probably the favorite heading into this and Ball State held their ground getting the first win getting the first one of the doubleheader and then in the second um, game staying competitive I think shows great things for this Ball State Cardinals but I think this series just reinforces why these are the two top teams we've seen it all season long this series only emphasized it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough finish to the end. But um, Miami Ball State, I mean, th- this series was as as good as you could expect. They they didn't let us down. And you know, a, a couple notable things here. Game one of this doubleheader on uh, on Tuesday uh, was pitched by Courtney Veerstra of Miami of Ohio. We talked about Courtney last week. She had that unbelievable performance two weekends ago where she threw up a, a no hitter on Friday and then a perfect game on Sunday, just two unbelievable performances back to back. Well, she took the mound in game one and as a credit to ball state and the strength of this team, they beat her. They they beat Courtney Beerstra. I mean, they they tagged her for uh, for four runs in seven innings. Um, she still had eleven strikeouts, but Ball State, you know, got four runs, all of them earned, and they ended up getting the win over here. Then on uh, in the second uh, in the second game, I, I'm sure you saw the clip on on Twitter, Sam. It went it was all over the Max official Twitter page and. Uh, you know, Ball State and Miami were, were tweeting about it. But, you know, Ball State in game two of this series, uh, this doubleheader, they were up seven to two going in to the seventh inning. Miami rallied and scored six runs in the bottom of the seventh, which was capped by a walk-off grand slam by Lily Wilmo from, uh, from the Red Hawks. So Ball State easily could have, I mean, it seemed like they had this second game in the bag and their their bullpen just couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't finish the, you know, couldn't finish the fight and Miami with an unbelievable comeback there in the bottom of the seventh inning to, to steal victory from the jaws of defeat. I, I, like you said, Sam, with the two best teams in the conference, you couldn't ask for anything more. And they really, really uh, delivered. I know we have the follow-up doubleheader next week in Muncie with uh, the Red Hawks traveling up there for the return trip. I think those two games will be just as good. Oh, I expect nothing less. And just for context, Miami is currently first after that doubleheader, 17-1. Ball State is 16-1. So, unfortunately, Cardinals couldn't overtake Miami for that first place spot. But it's anybody's game. Again, like you said, there's another series to look forward to. If you're Cardinals, uh, both these teams probably want to be um, – wanted, definitely wanted to be undefeated heading into uh, this upcoming week. 
But I think both teams will be satisfied with at least getting one game from this doubleheader. Because if if you lose both of these teams, you're basically the second best team in the conference, and who wants to be that? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. And uh, as, as we look at the – as we rewind a little bit further back to, to the weekend, um, you take a look around the MAC, some of the results. Miami swept four games from Buffalo. That seems to be about par for the course for the Red Hawks this year. Uh, they had won 20 in a row uh, prior to that loss on, in game one to the Cardinals on Tuesday. Ball State swept four from Akron. Central Michigan took three of four from Northern Illinois. Ohio and Bowling Green split four games. And then uh, the Toledo and Western Michigan uh, series was postponed. That's another story going on in in the softball world right now that the Broncos uh, from Western Michigan have put their program on pause due to some COVID issues. So their uh, their series against Toledo this past weekend was postponed. Uh, Their game yesterday versus Central Michigan was postponed. And then their series this upcoming weekend at Kent State has been postponed. So you only got about a month left in the season here. Be interesting to see how and if they're able to make these games up. But uh, Western Michigan right now, they're currently sitting at, uh, let's see here, eighth place in the conference. They're at six and 10 overall, 10 and 20. Or I'm sorry, six and 10 in the conference, 10 and 20 overall. And, uh, you know, Sam, you look at the standings here in softball, and this is like the complete opposite of almost every other sport where Ball State and Miami have really, really pulled ahead of the pack here. Miami at 17 and one, Ball State at 16 and one. Ohio, Toledo's in third place and they're nine and six. I mean, they're like six whole games back of those top two. It's pretty crazy how, how Ball State and Miami have separated themselves here. Yeah, it is crazy. And I, I just want to point out a thing I, I find a little bit funny. Akron sitting at the bottom of the conference with a not two two and sixteen in conferences, whatever, but three yeah. and not three and twenty-nine overall record. That's that's just laughable. But yeah, uh, you mentioned the Western Michigan story, obviously unfortunate, but hey, credit to softball for getting to this point with relatively few hiccups. We've seen many sports really devastated. But softball just seems a little bit unfazed. We have Ball State playing 17, Miami scoring 18. Um, Ohio, in fact, playing 22 games. Yeah. Uh, Bowling Green playing 21. So a lot of these teams are playing a lot of games. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's unfortunate to see um, Western Michigan. We'll have to keep track of how many games do get postponed or canceled from them. But, uh, yeah, um, when, when any sport uh, deals with COVID, I just like to give my shout-out. So shout-out to all of the softball teams for the, for the MAC for being relatively, um, I guess, COVID-free enough to, to play some games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's certainly – we're not taking it for granted after every uh, everything that's been postponed and canceled over the past year. So I agree. At least it's, it's a it's – a, uh, it's a, it's an accomplishment that they even got to this point. So we'll see, uh, obviously moving forward, uh, we'll see how, you know, if, if, and when Western Michigan is able to get those games rescheduled, you take a look here at the, uh, the upcoming slate of games. I obviously mentioned you know, starting next week, uh, next Tuesday, the 20, or I'm sorry, next Wednesday, the 28th is going to be that follow-up doubleheader between ball state and Miami. Uh, in uh, in in softball, but you look at the the weekend series here. We got uh, Miami and Toledo with uh, three games in Toledo, Buffalo and Central Michigan 
uh, in Mount Pleasant, Ohio visiting Ball State in Muncie, and then Akron taking on Northern Illinois in DeKalb. So certainly uh, uh, a weekend full of action still in the MAC, uh, despite Western Michigan going on pause. And we'll see uh, what the standings look like come this time next week. We'll see if anyone's able to catch any ground on uh, the Cardinals or the Red Hawks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move on to uh, men's soccer here. So I guess we'll both, both soccers, uh, men's and women's. We had, uh, we had uh, champions crowned this past week. And uh, spoiler alert, Bowling Green uh, really, really taking care of business here in the spring. They were able to get the, get the conference championship in both men's and women's soccer. Yeah, Zach, I don't, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think – when we recorded last episode, they had announced uh, or the, the games hadn't been played aside who was going to be in the MAC title or the women's was, but the, the men's wasn't correct. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yes. So in case you uh, missed it, Bowling Green did end up playing NIU in the men's soccer. S- the same exact score as the women's, in fact, 2-1, both Bowling Green teams up 2-1. But the differentiating is the Bowling Green game went into overtime, mm-hmm. a penalty kick goal by uh, Killy Robbins. I believe that's how you pronounce it, probably yeah. um, giving them the victory. Um, shout out to both uh, w- women and men uh, for Bowling Green for getting a, a MAC tournament. And um, we'll talk about it later, going to be playing in both uh, men's and women's NCAA soccer tournaments. Yeah, and um, congratulations to both teams. As far as the the men's team, this is their seventh time they won the MAC and went to the NCAA tournament. First time since 1997, though, so it's been over 20 years um, for the uh, for the Falcons men's team. On the women's side, though, the 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 Lady Falcons. I mean, this was this is becoming kind of routine for them. This is their third straight uh, MAC women's soccer title and going to be their third straight trip to the NCAA tournament. So obviously both programs flying high right now. You combine that with Bowling Green's, uh, Matt, you know, women's volleyball title uh, from a couple weeks back. And it's been a lot of good stuff happening for the Falcons uh, athletic department here in the spring. And then you mentioned Sam uh, with both teams capturing the Mac tournament uh, championship, both getting that chance to go to the NCAA tournament and uh, both just recently found out who they're going to be facing in the first round. Um, yeah, uh, though, on the women's side of thing, we'll start there. Bowling Green is going to be facing the Ole Miss Rebels in the NCAA women's soccer tournament. And uh, the men are going to be taking on Monmouth in the uh, men's tournament. So two different uh, programs, obviously there, but real quick, as you mentioned, Bowling Green, what a what a heck of a year for your athletics. Outside of the men, which let me down in the MAC tournament when I predicted it, you hey. guys let me down. Outside of that, women's uh, did lose in the MAC um, title game, but nothing to slouch at. You mentioned the volleyball title. Now you got both soccer titles. Just just a round of applause for Bowling Green's athletics because they're having one heck of a season. Yeah, they really are, and. Uh, 
I'm sure a lot of Bowling Green fans would would feel great if the football team could take some cues from from some of these spring teams and 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 get their uh, get their act together. But nonetheless, you're exactly right, Sam. I mean, there's a lot going on, uh, a lot of positive happening right now for uh, for the Falcons. You mentioned the uh, the the men's team taking on Monmouth. That will uh, take place uh, next Thursday, the 29th. The women's uh, game against Ole Miss is going to be next uh, what next Tuesday, the 27th. So when we record next week, we, we should have uh, the, the result from that women's game at the very least. The winner of that Bowling Green Ole Miss uh, game will go on to face USC in the second round. And uh, the winner of the Bowling Green and Monmouth game will go on to face Pitt in the second round of, of, uh, of the NCAA men's soccer tournament. So best of luck to uh best of luck to both of them as as they head into the ncaa tournament obviously everyone from the mac always rooting for their conference uh teammates even if we root against them in head-to-head competition always like to see them represent the conference well in the ncaa tournament uh let's move in uh to uh some some of the other spring sports here sam track and field we had some other some some great individual performance this week uh, were a couple great performances this week. Um, I mean, you look at the men's track athlete of the week, Amir Willis. Uh, he was first in the men's 100 meter race at the Roadrunner Invitational last Saturday. He ran the 110.18 seconds. That is fast. If I was uh, Sean Lewis, I might be asking Amir Willis to see <laughs> if he wants to play wide receiver. Uh, but just uh, just all around, some 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 more great performances this week on in track and field, Sam. Yeah, I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Uh, shout out to these people for the, being the best out of the runners. Like, it's it's impressive because yeah. basically most people can run, so shout out to them. But, yeah, one heck of a season. You mentioned the, the uh, Sean Lewis asking of the Kent State. I mean, why wouldn't you? We see a bunch of uh, track and field athletes like DK Metcalf be able to be NFL stars. So, sure. put out wide out. Akron are, probably needs a couple weapons. Bowling Green needs a couple weapons. Just sitting out there on wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. will. I will say one thing, Zach. It, it's crazy how many athletes of the week there are on track and field. I know there's a lot of different. Um, what is it? Events within track and field. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot that goes into it. So not only do you have the men's and women's track of that the field, you also have other nominees, and no discredit to them. It's just, it's just a lot. There's uh, like ten other nominees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not easy. It's not easy to make this list for sure. I I agree with you there. The one the 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 things that I always appreciate looking at the Mac the the track and field athletes of the week is like some of these distance runners and and the times that they put up. I want to give a shout out to um, Ashley Tut from Northern Illinois. She was the women's track athlete of the week. She broke a school record in the the ten thousand meter race. So ten thousand meters. So that's a ten k. That's six point two miles that she's running. She did 6.2 miles in 33 minutes and 25 seconds. I mean, you do the math. I mean, a six-minute mile pace would be 36 minutes. A five-minute mile pace would be like 30 minutes. So, I mean, she's she ran 6.2 miles at like roughly a 5.30 pace. That is 
absurd mm-hmm. to me. I couldn't run one mile in a five minute and 30 pace. And she did that 6.2 times. When I see things like that, like that's how you, that, I mean, that's an elite athlete. You might mm-hmm. just, you're just running, but that's, that's unbelievable to me. And what's crazy is reading her bio is she was only second because the person ahead of her met set meet and facility records with the time of 32:43. So the only reason she was in, she was crazy to think she was in second is because a girl just basically broke all the records. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is crazy. I mean, like, like you said, and we talked about this last week where a lot of people look at it. It's like, Oh, like they're just running. Anybody can do that. But when you look at those times, I mean, that's just, uh, that's absurd to me. I I could never do that. So shout out to uh, Ashley Tut. shout out to Amir Willis, who was the men's track athlete of the week of the week, excuse me. Uh, Will Gross from Akron was the men's field athlete of the week. School record mark 67.5 meters in the men's hammer. And then uh, the women's field athlete of the week, Grace Tennant from Kent State. Uh, she won the shot put at the University of Buffalo invitation on Saturday. Personal best mark of 53 feet and 6.25 inches. That's uh, her uh, Mac. That was the best throw in the Mac this year. 33rd best in the country she's now number seven all time on Kent State's all-time outdoor performance list so a lot of great performances here we've had in the MAC uh in in track and field here over the last couple of weeks Sam and man it makes me uh makes me never want to run again because I I feel like I'm I'm never going to be able to do what some of these kids these these kids in the MAC are doing today but uh anyway Next up, we got another. We had another championship this past weekend. The, the men's and women's uh, swimming and diving championships uh, took place this past weekend in Ypsilanti, uh, hosted by Eastern Michigan and Sam. Uh, we had a couple a uh, couple new champions: uh, Miami on the the men's side and Buffalo. It uh, finally someone knocked Akron off that pedestal in the, on the women's side. And, um, and we don't have to talk about Bowling Green anymore. So, um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so Akron fans, you can be happy. We don't, we don't have to talk about Bowling Green there, but yeah, like you said, Miami managed to get it done in the Mac, the Mac men's swimming and diving championship. And then Buffalo on the women's side of things, got it done, captured their first uh, title in uh, school history. So big things coming out of the swimming and uh, diving arena. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you look at Miami, this was their second title in three years. They, they also won back in 2019. And the thing that really struck me about this is that, you know, for, for anyone that's not familiar with, uh, you know, swimming and diving and how, you know, the scoring of the meets and stuff, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, but, you know, it's, it's like a track and field meet where there's a number of different events and each team gets, you know, points based on where their athletes place. And when you look at the final team results here, on the men's side. I mean, Miami didn't just win this thing. I mean, they blew everyone out of the water. They finished in first place with 932 points. Missouri state came in second with 687. I mean, Miami was 250 points above every other team in the field here. I mean, that's, that is domination. And um, it was really, you know, they, they, they capped the meet with a number of, of awards for the, the, the year. Um, Henry Duvenhage was named the Mac freshman swimmer of the year. 
um, along with Mac Swimmer of the Year in general. And then Holly uh, Bone Lacron was given the honor of Mac Coach of the Year. So, I mean, the this Miami uh, men's team really, really, really dominant there. Um, you really always, you, you always, uh, you love to see that. And then on the, on the women's side though, Buffalo, their first, uh, title in program history, much closer. They only squeaked out that win over Akron by seven points. Although those two teams were head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Yeah. I will say going back to the men's team, if you haven't looked at the first team, it's a little wild with how much. Uh, points Miami won by when my, Missouri State has close to six first team first all mm. team first all first team all MAC teams. You have uh, Powell, you have Michael Clanch, you have Dylan Moffitt, you have Michael Hampel, you have Arthur Curry and AJ Husky. And Miami only had oh four. My bad, but still, it's still impressive yeah. with how much you you mentioned the defeat by when Missouri State had more people on the first team all Mac. And then looking on the women's side, Buffalo had one heck of a season finished the, 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 the year undefeated uh, through their meets. So shout out to them. Like you said, um, squeaking out against Akron, but well-deserved for the, the, the Buffalo bulls there. Yeah. Just two great, two great um, meets, two great um, uh, events really. Yeah, no doubt. And, you look at the uh, on the on the women's side there, Buffalo again pulling out their first uh, title in program history, and um, you know the coach of the year Andy Bashore from Buffalo. I don't think that's a surprise given that they just won their first conference uh, title and, and and knocked off the uh, the incumbent. Outstanding uh, swimmer of the year was Brittany Beecher from Buffalo as well. So really, really, uh, really good, perf- strong performance there from the bulls. And you know, that, that's an interesting point you made about on the men's side, Sam, about how, uh, you know, Missouri state actually outnumbered Miami on the, uh, all Mac first team. That's, that is interesting. The fact that they did that and yet Miami, uh, kind of blew them out in, in, in such commanding fashion, but Hey, nonetheless, good for both programs, Miami and Buffalo, certainly, uh, something to hang their hat on here as the spring sports season, uh, starts to, to wind down. So congrats to both of them, especially congrats to Buffalo getting your first conference tournament championship or first conference championship in program history there. Uh, kudos to them. That's never easy to do. And uh, I know that's something that they'll uh, be hanging their hat on for quite some time up there in Buffalo. Before we close out the show here this week, uh, we wanted to touch a little bit on, uh, on tennis. We hadn't had a chance to talk much about tennis here over the last couple of weeks because we've been you know focused on other things and there's been a lot going on but uh sam this is something that we were talking about just before we we jumped into the to recording here tonight something you know neither of us are are going to pretend to be experts on tennis here but we feel like we can at least give you a rundown of, of the standings and and what's going on and um you look at you look at the women's side of things here sam and uh Seems like this is a common theme right there behind Bowling Green having a great spring. All these programs at Ball State seem to be having a pretty great spring as well. The Cardinals sitting in first place in women's tennis right now. They've won 19 in a row. Yeah, the main reason I wanted to talk, talk about women's tennis is to kind of big up the Ball State women's tennis team for having a great <laughs> season. 19-2, 10-0. Bowling Green um, has had three great, se- three great spring seasons. This is 
one of our spring seasons that I can be proud of. Ball State having one heck of a season on a 19-game winning streak. Uh, Zach, how much? How many games did uh, Miami win in their softball? Was it 20? They got to was... 20. Yeah, they, they did get to 20. So you're almost there, Ball State. So no that. pressure to Ball State. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you want to be, be the best, you got to beat the best. So – 21 wins is all I'm asking for a win streak. If you could do that, you'll be proud of my heart. But just to run down the other standings, behind Ball State, you have Toledo, 8-3, 12-7. Not too bad of a season as well. Bowling Green, 7-4, 11-6 overall. You have Western Michigan, 5-5, 13-5. Northern Illinois, 5-5, 12-12 overall. Buffalo, 3-7, 6-7 overall. And then rounding it out, Miami and Eastern on the bottom, 8-11, 7-13 respectively. Overall, Zach, obviously Ball State, uh, the, the number stands out 19-2 and two and 10-0 and in the MAC 19-game winning streak. But the other MAC teams, especially Toledo and Bowling Green, aren't having that bad of seasons at all. Yeah, no, they're they're really not. I mean, I mean Toledo is only, uh, you know, technically, if you do the math, I mean, they're only two and a half games back of Ball State. So, so by no means is this, uh, you know, is this season, you know, is Ball his, Ball State like run away with this or anything there's there's still opportunities for uh the you know the Rockets to to potentially catch them they do have one game left Ball State and Bowling uh and uh Toledo do on May 2nd where uh Ball State's going to travel to Toledo to take on uh to take on the Rockets uh Ball State did win the first matchup this year between the two teams in Muncie although it was four four sets to three so certainly um, was not a walk in the park for the Cardinals. But like you said, Sam, I mean, a, a winning streak of, of 19 games is that is no uh, nothing to nothing to, you know, nothing to sneeze at. And you look at their schedule. They lost their first two games of the year. Uh, they, they were both on the road against power five opponents. They lost at Louisville and they lost at Notre Dame. So no one's going to fault you for losing those games against high profile programs like that. Since then, they have taken care of business across the rest of their non-conference. And then obviously in, in the Mac as well. So um, they, their next uh, game coming up here uh, this weekend, taking on Miami in Oxford on Saturday, We'll see if they can get the 20 games uh, to, to get that 20 game win streak and, and match the Red Hawks streak in softball. Given that Miami is two and eight in the conference and eight and 11 overall this year, you'd think the Cardinals can handle business there on Friday. But, hey, I've, I've seen crazier things happen. Yeah. And, and what's crazier is they have Toledo has four games left and I believe Ball State does as well. So it could come down to that last game. Who knows? You'd like to think with four games, you're up two and a half games. Um, you would be able to take care of business to be able to claim the outright championship. But like you said, crazier stuff has happened in sports. We'll have to wait and see every game. I, I like to say every game matters. Every game does matter at this point. You got to get it done. Even with your um, 19 game winning streak, you got to beat Miami and uh, the softball streak. You just got to for bragging yeah. rights. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah. Shout out to the women. And then, um, uh, Zach, do you want to run down uh, what's happening on the men's side of things? Yeah, let's take a look at the men's side here too. Now, now men's tennis here in the MAC is is similar to men's soccer, where it's it's a much smaller 
uh, competition. There's even uh, University of Binghamton from, from New York is actually, actually a, a contingent member of the MAC here in men's tennis. So we only have six teams uh, with Binghamton included. Right now to run down through the standings, though, we got Western Michigan in first place, sitting at a perfect 8-0 in the conference, 19-1 overall. Northern Illinois, 7-1 in the conference, 20-2 overall. Ball State, 4-4, 15-5 overall. Toledo, 2-6, 6-8. Buffalo, 1-6, 3-7. And then Binghamton sitting at the bottom of the conference, 0-5 in the conference and overall on the season. So a tough year for, uh, for the Bearcats on the tennis court there. But Sam, uh, I mean, it looks, I mean, you look at the standings here, Ball State not far behind. I mean, four and four, 15 and five overall, but uh, eight and oh in, uh, for Western Michigan, seven and one for Northern Illinois. You know, those, those two teams seem like they've kind of separated themselves at the top of the conference. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Night, uh, 19 and two is good and all 19 1 20 and 2 aren't half bad at all you're not on the same winning streak i guess you could say as the <laughs> state was on the women's test but yeah uh, western michigan and northern illinois getting down the men's uh tennis side of things you mentioned ball state a little bit uh far back there about uh is that like three and a half games from um either school so yeah yeah a lot of work to get done probably not likely it's probably a one-two race for the um uh western michigan northern illinois but not a bad season at all for ball state uh 15 and 5 overall is is nothing to slouch out i'll take that any day of the week of course you'd like your um conference record to be a little bit better but not a bad record running it out buffalo having a bit of a struggle season toledo as well uh, Binghamton, which is one of the few times I've ever heard Binghamton be <laughs> ever, um, having an 0-5 record, um, winless, not, nothing you ever want to see. But yeah, uh, shout out to Western Michigan, Northern Illinois for not having too bad of a season. Uh, I'll, get, I'll give them some credit for having a uh, good season. <laughs> Tough to please. I, I, I hear you. I get what you're saying. And actually, you know what? Uh, this week, I, to, on Friday, uh, Friday night, um, in the final game of the regular season in, in what will probably end up to, uh, determining the conference title, uh, Northern Illinois travels to Western Michigan to take on uh, the Broncos uh, in Kalamazoo. Again, that's Friday night. Western Michigan enters 8-0 in the conference. Northern Illinois 7-1, and you know. I, I'm not going to say that's a huge game, but that's a huge game. And with Northern Illinois, their only loss in the conference thus far was in was a home loss to Western Michigan. They have a chance to return the favor to the Broncos on Friday on, in Kalamazoo. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I Zach, I love when the schedule just falls into place perfectly to determine yeah. the champion. Uh, I, rem I remember all the way back to the Ball State run they had and the only reason they got to play Buffalo or and, and potentially play San Jose State was because they had they got the chance to beat uh, Western Michigan in the finale of the regular season. So I'm excited for that. I love when um, game scheduling just works out like that, where they have the favorites just somehow. Um, obviously, some sports you can obviously tell who's going to be the favorite and kind of plan accordingly, but. When it falls into place perfectly, it's beautiful to see, and and I'm ready. I'm ready for that day to come because if I know anything, um, uh, was it wasn't it soccer? There was a similar 
Was it? It was Ball State. Wasn't it? Ball State had to beat Eastern Michigan, yes, to, to yeah. win the Eastern or the Western Division to get to the yes to the Women's Soccer Championship. Yeah, you love to see it, and um, yeah, j- this is what sp- this is what college sports are all about, right here. One one team against each other, you lose, you go, you you don't go home in this, but you know yeah. what I mean. It, it, I know it's, what you're saying. It, yeah, it, it's uh, great. It, yeah, I can't wait for that day to come soon enough. One game for all the marbles. Yeah, it's certainly – you couldn't draw it up any better. Um, one one final thing before we go here, uh, just uh, catching word from uh, CMU alum and super fan and also our, our creative director here at uh, the Hustle Belt, James Jimenez, uh, just kind of let us know that, you know, hearing through the CMU grapevine that it seems that former UTEP and Auburn head coach Tony Barbie uh, is the favorite – to be named the next men's head basketball coach at Central Michigan. Sam, you look up Tony Barbie. Um, his resume isn't terrible. It is a little bit underwhelming. I think if you ask me, five years at UTEP, his last two years were, were pretty good. That last season at UTEP, 26 and 7, 15 and 1 in 2009, 2010. But then after that, you know, you look, see, you know, four years at Auburn, not great results. Uh, they've gotten a lot better since then, since he left with, uh, you know, Bruce Pearl being there now. But I mean, four years at Auburn with a 49 and 75 record, 18 and 50 in the SEC. I don't know. It seems like he had some success at the mid-major level with uh, UTEP being in Conference USA. I wonder if he'll be able to recreate that in Mount Pleasant. He spent the last six years, seven years as an assistant at Kentucky. I don't know if he has any ties to Michigan or the region or anything like that. But it looks like this is what the, the, the way that the Chippewas are going. I, I think one positive is going to be recruiting. We all know how great Kentucky had been at recruiting. And yeah. I assume Tony Barbie being the associate head coach was a big part of that. You also have to wonder, is he going to switch Central Michigan's approach to what they did at Kentucky, what they're most known for, and being kind of a one-and-done school, if they're going to try to do that, if they can even do that. Um, but yeah, he's definitely going to be a help at the recruiting front. Obvi- obviously, Central Michigan didn't have the best season last season. You just saw Eastern Michigan go out and get their um, head coach. Potentially um, should be able to long term, though. Hopefully, if uh, Tony Barbie signs a contract to become the head coach at CMU, he can turn that program around because um, last season wasn't the best. But if, if he's as good a recruiter as I kind of believe him to be, Central Michigan should be in relatively good shape. I agree with that. Yeah, recruiting is the name of the game in uh, in, in college basketball, no doubt about that. And uh, he's also, I would think, you know, he's he's no uh, he's no stranger to recruiting out of the transfer portal, having you know working at working at Kentucky. So he's he certainly has the the chops. We'll see what he does. We'll see when this becomes official. And I know in talking with James and you know hearing from some other CMU fans. I mean, it is going to be a total rebuild there in uh, in Central Michigan. So certainly not an easy job, but we will see if he is uh, if he's up to the task. Uh, Sam, uh, that about wraps it up here. I think from my perspective, any, any final thoughts for the people here tonight? Anything we didn't cover? Anything you wanted to touch on? Um, not really. I, I think this was a jam packed episode. A lot happened in the the basketball ranking basketball world, especially Ball State's program, which I was just caught off guard by, but. Hey, I'm here for it. 
uh, change, um, you can't stop change. And that's what it is. Unfortunately, you have people leave, you have people come in. That's the name of the game. But um, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to keep track of Tony Barbie. He is only the front runner. He has not been signed to any sort of contract, but so it's not official as of recording this on April 21st, which considering our luck, Zach, it'll probably happen probably happen Thursday or Friday. We'll have to talk yeah. about it next week. But yeah, um, really great stuff on the baseball. Uh, Diamond loved what I saw the softball series, especially the series between Ball State and um, Miami. Hopefully, we get the more when they um, when Miami travels to to Ball State. Uh, I'm excited to see what Bowling Green can do in the soccer realm. See if they yeah. can get a win in either men's or women's soccer in the NCAA tournament. And yeah, it, it's been it's been a fun spring sports season. We have uh, the NFL draft um, yep. next week, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm ready for that. See some see, see some Mac athletes get uh, drafted next. I'm with next you there Thursday. Yep, I'm I'm with you there, Sam. And we we mentioned this uh, briefly last week, and just to kind of reiterate again, we are uh, next week. We will have some some focus on the NFL draft. We will release next week's episode one day early on Thursday, so you have it in t- for the time uh, or in time for the first round on Thursday evening. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there, Sam. Really gonna be keeping an eye on the the Bowling Green, uh, both Bowling Green soccer programs this week. Hopefully, uh, would love to see if one of them could get a victory in the NCAA tournament. There, also uh, looking forward to some MAC baseball this weekend as well. That's gonna wrap it up for here uh, for us here on uh, the MAC Bandwagon episode 42. Thank you so much for uh, for stopping by this week. As always, I am Zach Follador. He is Sam Philman. We appreciate the support, everyone. Thanks for stopping by and lending us your ears. We'll talk to you next week.